0: This is Frederick Uncut. I'm Heather Mangilio. Unfortunately, my co-host Wyatt Massey is out this week. Um, But we will be talking about seniors, healthcare, Medicare, and the cost of living. So I spoke with a Walkersville family, the Bernies. I had recently interviewed Fred and Ellen Burney in October for an Alzheimer's issue because Ellen has spatial Alzheimer's. But then Fred reached out to me a couple weeks ago again and was explaining a little bit of their financial situation. So Fred and Ellen um, are now facing thousands of dollars in debt, partially stemming from the fact that Ellen can't work because of her Alzheimer's and had to stop in 2014, partly because of some of the financial and medical problems that she has um, due to costs of doctor's visits, and also partly because they just have a lot of traveling that they have to do with her doctor's visits. One um, requires them to go to Baltimore like three times a week. Um, So from Walkersville, they're looking at 60 miles a day in a SUV that gets about 11 miles to the gallon. So when speaking with them, I heard a little bit about their story, how they met, how when they first discovered that Ellen had Alzheimer's, how that ended up with her not being able to work at the video company that Fred runs, and then um, how that has started to affect their lives going forward. Um, One of the biggest issues that Fred faces right now is that he at 79 is still trying to work. He runs a video company from the basement of his house but if he's working then Ellen's left alone and because she has spatial Alzheimer's she can't read, she can't knit, she can't even find buttons on a remote sometimes. So spatial Alzheimer's is a little bit different than what you usually think of when you have Alzheimer's. Most people think of the memory loss or people who can remember their childhood but no longer can make new memories. But spatial Alzheimer's doesn't really work like that. For Ellen, it was really the fact that she couldn't find the uh, exit button on a window of a computer. That's how they kind of clued in that something was going wrong. So it's that she can't draw two intersecting uh, rectangles. Um, When she draws a clock, the numbers don't really work out. Um, They're kind of cramped together on one side. So she really has issues seeing. Her eyesight's fine, but her brain can't see anymore because of the Alzheimer's. But her memory? Perfectly fine um, for her age. Uh, Fred often jokes that she has a better memory than he does. So she's often confined to a chair if he's working. But if he helps her by going outside with her, walking around, or trying to even go to the store just so she can interact with people... Then he's not getting to work so he finds himself in his basement alone at night trying to get some of these videos done and trying to make a little bit of money to help out their family so after talking with Fred on the phone I decided that I wanted to go out and meet both him and Ellen in person at their Walkersville house so they invited me in and we sat on their couch and had a discussion about how the two met, a little bit about how they came to Frederick, a little bit about his video company, and then we got into how he turned to GoFundMe in hopes of being able to raise a little bit of money to be able to buy a new car so that he can take Ellen to her doctor's visits, to out to an adult daycare center, out to see friends, and out to the store. Right now, he has a big SUV, and because she, with her spatial Alzheimer's, is having issues with the gap between the driveway and the truck. She can't always get in it. He's looking at a used Highlander um, to be able to get in comfortably for him, but also comfortably for her. So they talked a little bit about how they came to that decision, um, what it requires in terms of financials, and then a little bit about how they got into their situation.
1: Because, okay. like I say, you weren't planning to go to the dance, and your, wasn't it your roommate? that uh, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, What's her mm-hmm. name? Uh, but that she knew she would get in free yeah. if she brought a friend. So she brought somebody, so she brought... Ellen, and it was a singles group that I had belonged to for a while, and I usually held their dances on Saturday night, and this one time they were holding it on a Friday night, and usually I didn't go out Friday nights, so I was debating, but then for some reason I thought, oh, well, you know, I might as well go, and when I was there, uh, I noticed uh, this (laughs) really good-looking young lady come (laughs) through the door in a black dress, and I... I'm basically shy. It was probably a lot shyer back then, but I, I really was not good at, at walking up to anybody, but I uh, noticed her coming in, but they were also, um, at that point, teaching the bossa nova, and I didn't, I'm not a great dancer, and I didn't want to make a fool of myself asking her to dance or saying anything while they were doing these lessons, so I just... Let, let it go, and then a little later, I think I kept an eye on her, yeah. but I, a little later, not not too much later, I <laughs> saw she was sitting at a table with somebody I knew, so I walked over. I have never, I never did this in my entire life. I walked over to the table, and I turned to the person I knew, and I said, Bob, introduce us, pointing to, to Ellen. And uh, he did, and we just started talking. Now, Ellen, I didn't know about this until a few yeah. year, years later when you told me that uh, you turned to your okay. friends. And said, yeah okay i i he do i two turns with my f- friend that were there and i say he was gonna talk to me for me i think she, i think your exact words which you told me were you see that guy with the big nose over there <laughs> he's coming over here and he's going to want to talk he's going to want to meet me and uh and, and <laughs> Now point, it's 55 yeah. years. Yeah, uh, it's 55 years now. But it's, uh, I remember we, um, we just talked. We just, uh, we danced a little bit. We stood, it was up, at a, it was a, the dance was at a hotel in Miami uh, on Biscayne Bay, uh, yeah. overlooking the bay. It was up on a top floor. Yeah. And you had windows looked out over the city. And we just stood by the windows a lot and we looked out and we talked. And uh, I know I offered to take you home, but you said you'd come no, with your... I went home with my friend. Yeah. She brought you, so you... Uh... Yeah. And then I called you every night. Me? Ellen Ellen lived on the beach, and I lived in Miami. And the distance would have been about, uh, oh, maybe about a half-hour drive, I would think. I mean, <laughs> uh, well, maybe 20 minutes. more. A little more? Yeah. Maybe a little over half-hour back then. You didn't have expressways or anything, but it, um, yeah, because I'd have to go down to downtown over the bridge. Yeah, so it might have been a little more than that. But anyway, I called her every night, and I was producing a radio show at the time, and it was done at a coffee house. We were doing folk music. I recorded it on Thursday nights, and then we played the show on Wednesdays. So I asked her if she'd like to come um, uh, to uh, see how our radio show was produced. So I picked her up. We drove to the, uh, it was the Hootenanny Coffee House in, in Miami, and the place was not too far from where my studio was. So when we finished recording, I said, you want to come back to the recording studio and I'll show you uh, how, how a record is, is made. And we came back there and brought the equipment back. We started cutting a record. Literally, I cut records back then, the old discs. And uh, as we're talking, you or I, we got to play that record again. I've got to play it because I remember I, I think I said, we'll play this for our kids one yeah. day. Yeah, well, we And did. then And then we looked at each other <laughs> and I realized that, in a way, I had proposed. And um, basically, we were we met on January 3rd, third, third, yeah. married on uh, actually January 4th and fourth, and married February twenty third. It's really bad because you, they, I can't figure out what's going on in my head. Ellen was diagnosed with dementia in June of. 2014 but I would think maybe a little earlier than that I noticed she and I ran ran a video business and I Ellen, was working with him Ellen's an RN she she was she registered nurse for 27 years yeah retired from nursing in the mid-80s yeah started working for me kind of by accident but uh, not accident. well I asked you to come with me yeah. when I was shooting a wedding oh yeah I was supposed to have a second person show up to handle <laughs> the second camera Ellen was just going to come and just, because I didn't want to leave her at home. She didn't want to stay at home. She wanted to come. So the person doesn't show up. It's getting close to the time to get the shooting started. I said, honey, you're going to have to run this camera. Ellen never really ran a camera before. Well, that's okay. I showed her where the on switch was. I think I started it yeah, for her. And uh-huh. I said, just aim at the bride. That's I, all. So, and, and at the train too. Yeah. Hmm. And so and she, I, from that point. I knew I went, what, I, I knew how to do, she do it. She became the second cameraman. She also taught herself uh photoshop she was an expert at uh doing uh restorations mm-hmm. and doing all kinds of things anyway she did all of the uh the the computer graphics for the business and i noticed she was having problems uh, i guess maybe a year earlier with um trying to close a program or save a program or find something on a pro on a screen and i just thought she needed better glasses i, I, I think we did you did get a pair of computer glasses but i could see that still wasn't helping and then Ellen's a very strong-willed person when we would go shopping I was there to carry things to the car (laughs) I mean she told me what we were going to buy what we were going to go I (laughs) might mess her up by picking up impulse buying but she knew where things were one day we were shopping and she just turned to me and said okay where do we go next and it wasn't like her and so I um I called our doctor, our regular uh, uh, home doctor, uh, primary physician, and I, I said I'm all worried about Ellen's memory. So he gave her a mini cognitive test, and he said, "No, she's okay. She can't count backwards by sevens, But he said, "Other than that," I said, "She could never count that." I said, "On a good," I said, "Ellen doesn't know math. She's not good mm-hmm. at math." I said, "That doesn't mean anything." But I called in the office, and I said, "Do you, do you treat uh, people with with memory issues?" and They said, "Sure." So I brought Ellen in, and that's when she got this diagnosis, and it was uh, it, it was like just he, out of nowhere. He just gave her a test, and then he said, well, your wife has dementia, and I mean that was it. Then they suggested uh, a book. They said they normally give out the 36-hour day. They didn't have don't any copies handy, don't. so, so I could probably get it at the library, and gave me a list of uh, two sheets of paper with a whole bunch of websites on it, and that was it other than making a follow-up appointment. Yeah. In addition to the uh, spatial thing, uh, soon after, we'd gone to a dentist right at, not too long after Ellen was diagnosed, and just a normal routine checkup, cleaning, teeth cleaning. And about a day or two later, Ellen said, I feel like the dentist left something in my mouth. It feels like there's a wire in my mouth. <laughs> I thought maybe it was a loose uh, filling, so we went back to the dentist, saw nothing few days later she complained again, went back again, he was very looked very carefully, didn't see anything. Um, and then I realized that she's got, then the, the single wire, and I realized it was a sensation, he suddenly yeah, became a, a mouthful of wires. It's, and yeah. we tried, I went online to see if anybody ever had anybody that experienced that, couldn't find anybody, talked to our doctors.
0: And we started, talked to
1: a lot of doctors. We went, we went to a number of specialists. I tried a, uh, a, a hip, hypnotist who's a therapeutic hypnotist. We, she tried different medications, some that are used people take when they have this phantom limb, when a person has had a, a, an amputation, they have phantom limb feelings where they feel there's something there. We tried that medication. Tried three or four that are, um, that, that usually get rid of different feelings a person might have, nothing helped. Yeah. Um, somebody exactly. suggested uh, TMS, Transcranial Magnetic Stimulation, and uh, it took a while to, and then your the paper had a big article on, yeah. uh, on that uh, about a company here in Frederick um, uh, about two or three days after I'd heard about uh, this TMS. So I, I called the company and they said, well, their intake is done at uh, in Rockville. So we went made an appointment, went down there to see them and spent a lot of time with the doctor. And he said... Uh, uh, they normally treat uh, depression with this, but he felt he might be able to. It might be helpful. Uh, his company, I didn't realize this at the time, but then his his uh, location wasn't uh, certified for Medicare, and the one up here in Frederick, at the moment, isn't. They're supposed to be sometime this year, but the one that is is in Baltimore. So we've been going, and I, I thought it was a treatment. I just thought you know you know maybe one or two treatments, and then when they Mentioned the price, and, and, and of course Medicare paid for it, but I said, well, how many days is this? And they said, it's 36 sessions, 30 of them consecutive. Yeah. And then it, I started getting the, and until we started driving, it really didn't sink in that we were driving to Baltimore th- six weeks, five five days uh, for six weeks, um, an hour to get there, and a little over an hour while we're there, and then turn right around and come back home. I mean, great, people who commute go down to Washington, they, they do this all the time, but usually, you go in the morning, you, you stay for the day, and then you come home in the evening. Here, we would literally drive to Baltimore uh, treatment and then come right back, and uh, that 100-mile trip, I mean, it was getting, I'm. I'm getting, we got a big car, and that was getting to me a little bit, but it, I knew it was worth it. And, and um, It's over now. We have just six sessions to go, which are spread over three weeks, two two days a week, and um, it it may be helping. You've noticed. I think it's. I think it is. At times, you tell me it's helping. Uh huh. Which is another reason I was um, trying to see if we could get a a different car. This thing, I, I in my mind, I calculated the cost of gas driving back and forth. I said, if we had something that was better, better on uh, more economy, we'd, we'd save some money. It was like, probably it was like eight, nine hundred dollars in gas just driving back and forth to to Baltimore. Basically, this spatial thing means it's difficult to, to estimate the distance between two objects. So if Ellen sees something on the table, uh, she will reach maybe four or five inches away from it. What happened was we two of us running a business. Not that we were <laughs> getting rich or anything, but it was. We were doing okay when the economy hit a, a problem a number of years ago uh, it took a while for it to catch up with us but even then I was trying to figure out where to p- put the business. we had some clients and so that uh, we, we we were we were doing all right at least we were paying our bills yeah but when Ellen couldn't work anymore and I I used to say that Ellen and I shared the workload yes and I, I soon f- I, and I worked and I made it really not messy. <laughs> she has a system. I'm still finding her system when I go downstairs. So I mean, I, I'll locate things and realize what how she kept it. But, <laughs> I, but I, I like to, take, to be, I like it to be. Yeah, she's, you're organized. No, she was would organize order, a lot of I, things. I find your the discs that we... At any rate, when she couldn't work and I thought that we shared the, the the workload, I suddenly realized she probably did more like 85% of the work. Ellen handled the phone. She's... She's the person to talk to people when they called. She I did a much better talk. job of making- I like to talk to people too. She would close the sale. Someone would call and ask oh, about yeah. a video scrapbook <laughs> and I would get too technical and I'd hand the phone over to Ellen and she'd talk about how we make these beautiful videos from their pictures and music. <laughs> and she would just go on and on and talk to the <laughs> person, find out something about them. She'd know their life story before she got off the phone. And we did a heck of a lot of uh, video scrapbooks over the years, uh, probably more than any other company we taught it to other, other producers. I think we probably were the, yeah, the, the leading, yeah, I can, I can show her later. Yeah, okay. I think we were yeah. the leading company on that. But so what happened was I realized one, I can't do the same kind of work we were doing. I don't have the time. Um, we had stopped doing event videos. I just kind of got burned out on that. I was carrying a 27 pound camera doing, uh, uh receptions and, and, and things. And I just couldn't do that. We were doing business meetings, conferences, and, um, that started to slow down so we were concentrating on on editing and concentrating on some few uh, uh, business films but when um, Ellen was no longer able to work and I had to stop doing the uh, photo restorations and I found that when I had to do everything I just couldn't do all the work so we started cutting back and uh, and I watched slowly slowly the, the income just getting to the point where at this point, it's basically our social security, which is not sufficient to um, to meet all the obligations. I mean, I didn't like the idea of getting help from the the county, or. But as they explained <laughs> to me, Fred, you paid for this in your taxes years ago, so now when you need something, the money is that's that's the reason it's there. But um, it's uh, it's been rough. I mean, uh, like I say, the car is a 2002 suburban. Oh, yeah which um With it's a good car ah, i mean suburban is yeah, yeah. a, a good car but i, I just yeah. noticed the odometer because it, it it reached 200 and i was getting oil and oil change and i happened to look at what they put down it was it, it just hit 250,000. um that's uh you know we're, there's my i can then now it starts to sound like a model t i mean i can i don't know what that is but uh um and i just i just don't know where Certain things are coming from. I mean, we, uh, we 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 were banking with a bank that at one point, because we did have a pretty good credit line of credit, they had given us a, um, a line of credit on on the business uh, checking account. And uh, there were times when we just were running a little tight, um, uh, so I, I had uh, started to use that. If if, I, if the account was overdrawn, it just created a like a loan uh, on on the account. And I realized one day we had actually been using that line of credit to pay off other credit cards to to uh, make their payment I had to use it for the electricity a number of times a uh, cost of the, you know the, the uh, electric bill yeah. and at, at some point I said you know this is insane we're we're not really paying anybody we're creating a, a much bigger uh, expense for us on, on the uh, line of credit and, and actually that had kind of it was reaching the point where it it ran out. So I just stopped and I'm thinking, oh, let's see what we can do. And, and, and right now that's where I'm at. I absolutely do not have any idea what, um, what the right direction is. Um, you know, it's, it's, know this is just rough. I mean, it's, um, I've always been able to figure out when, when, when anything gets tight, I can figure something out and I'm able to, change direction and know where I need to go. I mean, I always used to say when I started, I started the recording studio when I was in high school. I was uh, <laughs> last year of high school, and i, I it's, it's, it's a long story, I'm not gonna talk about that, but I started this recording studio, which is what the company is today. It's all from that little studio. I'm stumped, I'm actually stumped. I've, I've, I've talked to uh, financial people. I said, I don't know, I don't have an answer. I said, I'm looking for someone to help me figure this out i just don't have an answer my my biggest concern is uh, is ellen i mean i i i hate the idea that if i try to spend too much time away from her she's just sitting in a chair watching television i would like her to be active we'd like to be able to do things together yeah. um and so i'm torn do i try to you know do a few jobs that, that people may want me to do and on the other hand I don't want to be away from her that long. I mean I was doing some editing for a company in uh, New York and um, the last editing job I did for them I, I was like six weeks late in turning it in and I haven't got anything else from them. And they had been a customer for us for over over 20 oh, years, yeah. probably 30 years. Yeah, But I uh, I just couldn't couldn't yeah, yeah. turn the work out on time and I, I realized it's um, it, it's gonna continue that way I mean I just I uh, so I, I like I say I I don't have an answer she keeps me in good shape I mean <laughs> I, I, I think I think it's really the other way around I think I don't realize that Ellen's taking care of me I just yeah. I just think I'm helping her she <laughs> really is the one that's <laughs> oh yeah <shit. laughs> no we are we we are partners we it, it, it's just uncanny. Yeah. how quickly, the minute we met, it's like each of us just knew it was It was comfortable. It was yeah. just comfortable. You know, it was this, very comfortable. I don't, know, I don't know what love is. I mean, it's, it's, it's it a was lot of love. things. It was love. But, I mean, it wasn't like uh, lightning striking or anything. It's just I felt just yeah,
0: like, like this is the
1: person I want to be with. I just I wanted to be with. I called I, you every day, I every know. night. I know. Um, <laughs> He's and, good. And we uh, think we think alike. Uh, yeah, we, we f- do. We finish each other's sentences. Yeah, and you let me know when I talk too long.
0: <laughs> That's right. So <laughs> talking with the Bernies made me realize that this is not an issue that is just for them. Um, I had actually done some reporting with Wyatt uh, in October and November with just healthcare in general and the cost of living, and we would come across a couple seniors at Mission of Mercy, which is a free clinic that visit, visits Frederick County twice a month. And when we went there, we talked with Christine, who is a Kimar resident who also is facing some financial issues um, because of her lack of retirement. She had health care all of her life because she worked for Wells Fargo. But then all of a sudden when she retired, she was on Medicare and a Social Security payment. And she just didn't have as much that she used to have to be able to afford some of the medical procedures she needed. And this is not something that's unique to either one of them. I spoke with multiple people from the Alzheimer's Association, the county, and Mission to Mercy who all talk about how many seniors are relying on their social security payments even though that was never set up to be that way, which means that they are facing a lot of financial problems when it comes to healthcare, especially as they get older and need more help. And one other thing that kind of surprised me more than anything is nursing homes just don't tend to be an option. When you go to a nursing home, you go in as a private paying person, you have your money that you've saved up, all your assets, everything can be used against you in an equation. Um, but then it, you can't make that payment anymore as you are paying $200,000 or less, or in some cases more for your private um, home care. And so then uh, basically it's going to pay you down, is what they call it, where you're just they're pulling from your assets, they're pulling from your money. Eventually, you become a low-income person, and you then rely on Medicaid to pay for your nursing home. But even more s- troubling is that if you have a spouse who has Alzheimer's, as in Fred and Ber- uh, Ellen's case, Fred might not be able to go with Ellen because Ellen's going to need different services. So after 50 years of marriage for many of these seniors, they might be separated towards the end of their lives, which is a stress that adds on to them and something that probably prevents them from thinking about nursing homes. So just a reminder, folks, I was kind of soloing the podcast this week because Wyatt unfortunately got sick. But he did stop by the studio on Thursday with me when we uh, talked with Kate Masters about what's coming up in the issue of 72 Hours. So a treat for you. You will get to hear his voice a little bit this week.
1: So now we've reached
0: the part of our show where we like to preview what is happening in our feature section, 72 Hours. So we have with us, as always, Kate Masters. Hello. All right, Kate, tell us what we can expect this week.
2: Okay. So this week was a fun week for me. Um, I got to cover, well, the cover story will be about a woman named Leanne Thompson who lives, she has a beautiful home, sort of overlooking Braddock Heights. The, the, The view is breathtaking. But to make a long story short, she is a potter and she kind of started by creating a renaissance fair empire, I'd say, where she had a pottery booth and was invited to be like a resident potter at renaissance fairs all over the country um, to, you know, with this hobby that she sort of started on her own. And then after sort of expanding her renaissance fair empire, she decided to settle down in Frederick County and is now an Instagram famous potter where she sells her wares and does new releases every month. So that was a really fun story for me to report and to learn all about pottery.
0: And how did you hear about our own Frederick County Instagram famous potter?
2: Um, on Instagram. So. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so it was, you
2: know, I, I follow a lot of local accounts. And so she popped up and I was like, what is this? This stuff is so beautiful. I have to learn more. And then I found all about her backstory and it was a fun story to report.
0: All right. What else is keeping you busy this week?
2: So another story that I've been working on is all about Geneva. Um, do either of you know what Geneva is? I do not.
0: That's a hard no.
2: Okay, because I'm checking because like two weeks ago, Wyatt, I was telling you about the orchards and you're like, actually, I'm an expert in apples.
0: Yeah, I can't come back this time.
2: (laughs) Okay, so Geneva um, is actually, it's sort of a hybrid blend between whiskey and gin, which is how a lot of people explain it to me, Um, but it's originally from Amsterdam and then the Flanders region of Belgium, which is the only reason I had heard about it before because I had studied abroad in Belgium, but it's this sort of obscure little known spirit um, that's a couple of distillers in Frederick are working to bring back. So you have Tenth Ward doing a version, and they're going to do a tasting with three recipes that they're sort of doing test batches of. And then you have McClintock Distilling um, over on Carroll Creek, who is also releasing a version in collaboration with the Baltimore Spirits Company. So I got to learn a lot more about Geneva and the techniques for making it, which was very interesting.
0: Now, are these two alcohols mixed Shortly before drinking, long before drinking,
2: it's kind of complicated. So they're not, they're not. It's not like it's whiskey and gin mixed. It's just the way that's distilling Mm. is different. Like gin, traditional London dry gin, which is actually sort of the successor to Geneva, starts with a very high neutral spirit. So it's a it's a spirit that doesn't have a whole lot of taste and it's high in ABV. And then you distill it over the botanicals, so all those botanicals really have a strong flavor. Whereas Geneva starts out with malt wine or a malt grain mash that's then distilled and so it's not neutral and so you get the flavors and the maltiness from the grains um, which is more characteristic of a whiskey but then still those juniper notes.
0: So would you describe it as something that's going to be for both gin and whiskey lovers or maybe something neither one of them might like but will like this one?
2: I would describe it as something you know I've had it before and I would honestly say that the though the juniper is there, it is more of a whiskey-like sensation just in drinking it because you get that complexity. I actually had one distiller um, with Tenth Word tell me that he recommends Geneva if you do not like gin. So I would say that it's definitely something to expand if you're like a whiskey drinker looking for something new.
0: And this is something that you drink on your own or is it a mixed drink kind of with alcohol?
2: Um, I mean, as with because they're they're craft artisans. All their their liquors are meant to be drink drop or meant to be drunken, drinkin, drunk straight. But you can mix it with tonic and there are some cocktail applications if you really want to do that.
0: Great. Well, thanks so much for stopping by. Anytime, guys. Um, we're really looking forward to that seventy two hours. Yes, if you're a local resident who wants to have a fine beverage and read about pottery Instagram, (laughs) check out 72 Hours this Thursday. Definitely. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Heather Mangelio. And me, Wyatt Massey, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you next week.